Thank you, sir. Appreciate you, brother. Amen. Well, bless you. It's good night. Well, it's good to be back tonight. I trust the Lord will help us and uh, make us a blessing to your heart today. We're going to be studying the book of Isaiah tonight, Isaiah, and uh, we'll be in chapter 12, Isaiah chapter number 12. You know, I was thinking uh, uh, a while ago, uh, that's unusual, amen, <laughs> but I was thinking, and I remember years ago when uh, we started, we started going to Faith Baptist Camp, and I'm, that's been a long time ago. Matter of fact, uh, back in the guess back in the early seventies, I guess we were going to Faith Baptist Camp. We got used to seeing Edgar Thomas and Ed Blue, and we got used to seeing a certain men there. And then we uh, we went to Bible College. And of course, I know it don't show, but I did go. Amen. But we went. And then when we came back, and we were out, of, we were not at Faith Baptist Camp for a number of years. Then when we, when we got a chance to go back, there were so much changes there. I mean, you know, a lot of people that we had gone accustomed to seeing and, and identified as, as part of the camp, they were just not there. And you know, in those early days, I didn't understand all that. I mean, I just didn't understand it. And, I, and the camp just didn't seem the same because of the changes. And then, as life moves on, I, I remember uh, one day we were studying, God gave us a, a message on understanding changes. And out of the book of Job, and he talked about those changes against him and what have you. And I got to thinking about changes. And you know, uh, all these, uh, all this is intermingled in my mind, all these prayer requests y'all have given out. There's a day when those people that y'all have made so much prayer requests for tonight, there was a day when those people were just like these young men on the front row here and these young ladies. You know, their bodies didn't hurt. Their bodies wouldn't go anything, do anything. And then as time went on, changes took place. And, uh, and you know, when, you, when, when we concentrate on uh, the sufferings that changes brings, you know, you don't see the real value of changes. But do you know how important changes are? Let me just give you an idea. Didn't rain today, did it? Didn't rain, didn't rain here, did it? Well, what if, just what if, all of a sudden, things stayed just like they are? Temperature stayed the same. No rain was in your area. Changes must take place. I mean, they must take place. And I'm trying my best to learn to accept what changes. Amen. So I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm growing old and I'm trying to accept it. Amen. But I am taking a handful of vitamins every day to try to, try to fight it off. But anyway, but we're, we're still. But, but you understand what I'm saying? Changes are taking place. Changes are taking place in your life. Matter of fact, I met two ladies here tonight. I mean, just not tonight, but 
but Miss Courier and another dear sister, I can't remember her name, and uh, they told me how long they'd been here at this church. I said, oh, you knew Kenneth, didn't you? And some of y'all, and some of y'all that are probably just here, y'all, y'all don't even know who Kenneth is. Maybe you just heard. But Kenneth Hicks is one of the greatest men of God I ever met in my life. I mean, he walked with God. And matter of fact, I met him years ago when I was struggling to try to decide what God wanted me to do. And I was in a, I was in a, a revival meeting at Tilton Baptist Church in Dalton. And uh, it was just a small church. And I was sitting over here on the right. Carolyn didn't go with me that night. I was sitting on the front row, and old Kenneth was just preaching up a storm, and he walked right over where I was and just stopped, and he said, I can't put my finger on He's looking right at me. He said, I can't put my finger on it. But he said, somebody's here, and if they have just turned loose, God could use them. And I'm telling you, I knew who he was talking about. I mean, he didn't know. But I knew who he was talking about. And Kenneth Hicks had a great impact in my life, and I, I won't, I'll never forget him. All right, I'm reading uh, Isaiah 12 tonight, and I don't know how much preaching I'm going to do, but this is what I believe the Lord wants us. But anyway, I'm going to try to study this with you tonight. Uh, Isaiah chapter number 12, only six verses, let me read them all. And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy... Shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation? And in that day shall you say, praise the Lord. Call upon his name. Declare his doings among the people. Make mention that his name is exalted. Sing unto the Lord, for he had done excellent things. This, this is known in all the earth. Cry out and shout, thou inhabitant of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel in the midst of thee. Now, if you would, let's pray, and I hope you'll pray for us. I'm going to have a word of prayer. Then we'll try to go back and give you some stuff out of this chapter. Father, I want to thank you again now for the privilege of being here. And Lord, I want to thank you for, Lord, the history of this church. And I want to thank you, dear God, for having the privilege to have known every man of God that, Lord, you've allowed this church to have. And Lord, I want to pray that you'd continue, Lord, is pouring out your blessings on this fellowship. And Lord, and let your divine hand, God, be so real. Oh, Father, I want to pray for Brother Clint that God would help him and minister to him and bring him back, Lord, to the flock shortly.
And Lord, help Brother Jones while he's away. And, and let Lord remember, remember the others. I want to pray for all these requests. I know, Lord, I, I can't remember all of them. But Lord, I know there's a lot of burdens that God expressed here tonight. And I'm going to ask of you, Father, that you might move. You might intervene, dear Father God, in their behalf now. Lord, speak to my heart now. Help me tonight to be able to to explain, God, what you put in my heart. And would you give us ears to hear and hearts to understand. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. All right, I want you to look with me, please, in verses number three, verse number two and three. Now, this is where I'm going, but I'll, but I'll go around the barn three or four times before we get there. But look in verse number two again. Now, the, the, Isaiah said, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Verses 3 is our text. Therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now let me just now let me tell you what caught my mind as I read this, where it said, With joy shall you draw water out of the say that look at the word. That's a plural word. That's not a singular word, that's plural. So there are wells of salvation that he has in mind here. So what are these wells of salvation that he has in mind of us drawing out of? Well, I want to try to get to that, but I want to try to, I'm going to give you a little stuff that might be a little boring to you, but I want to to try to bring you the context of chapter 12 and uh, how, how, you know, how it's developed to come there. And uh, so there are some key words that God impressed my heart with in chapter 9, 10, and 11 that bring us to chapter 12. Now, all, all those chapters, 9, 10, and 11, they have a definite, undeniable connection with what Isaiah is saying in chapter number 12. Now, now put these two words down, if you would, if you want to write them, you don't have to. But I'm going to go back to chapter number 9, and I'm going to emphasize two words, deliverance and destruction in chapter number 9. Deliverance and destruction. And, of course, you might not think they go together, but God is, God is giving some information out to this nation of Israel. Now, look in verse number 9. First of all, let's look at deliverance, chapter 9, and look at verse number 6. So notice now that God's going to be promising a deliverer here. Verse number 6, I'll not, I'll not make a lot of comment, but just read the verse. For unto us a child is born, and thus the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, and the Prince of Peace. Now, verse number 7, of the increase of his government and peace, there shall be no end upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and to establish it 
with judgment and with justice from henceforth even forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So what he's saying here, he is showing them, I've got a promised deliverer on the way. But now, in the same chapter, go to verse number 11. Now, God is promising not just to deliver, but he's promising destruction. Now, look at verse number 11. He says, therefore, the Lord shall set up the adverse adversaries of reason against him and join his enemies together. Verse number 12, the Syrians before and the Philistines behind, and they shall devour Israel with an open mouth. And all this, uh, his, for all this, his anger is not turned away, but his hand is stretched out still. Now, that simply means God, God is going to use these, uh, these, uh, these enemies of Israel to devour them. But God says, you know, even though this is happening, my hand is still stretched out. Now, that hand stretched out is not for help. That's, his hand is not stretched out to help them. It is for more destruction that's coming on them. So in chapter number nine, God has given them a promise for deliverer. Then he's given a promise for destruction. By the way, this has not occurred when Isaiah is writing this. Now let's go to chapter number number 10. Now here are the two verses, two words I want you to get. In chapter number 10, I use the word vengeance and vindication. Vengeance and vindication. So how do we see this? Now remember, this is leading up to chapter number 12. Now look in verse number 1, if you would. And so God is going to be promising vengeance. Now watch this now. He says, Woe unto them that decree unrighteous decrees of that right grievousness which they have prescribed. Now let me insert a word here. Now, what God is saying here to Isaiah in chapter 10, verse number 1, he's showing the cause that vengeance is coming. Vengeance is on the way. I'm telling you, you remember, you remember this? The Bible said it's a fearful thing to fall in the hands of the living God. I'm telling you, I would really hate to have God to be angry with me, wouldn't you? Also, he said in verse number one, he's saying that this is why the vengeance is coming. He said, woe to them that decree unrighteous decrees. In other words, these judges that are judging in Israel, they've got unrighteous judgments here. And the Bible says, and that right grievousness which they have prescribed. Now watch verse number two. He said, to turn aside the needy from judgment. In other words, here come the needy, the courts, and the, and the, the wicked, ungodly judges. They turn against the needy. And then it said, and to take away the right from the poor of my people, that widows may be their prey, and that they may rob the fathers. In other words, God is saying, this is what y'all are practicing. This is what y'all are doing. And they're saying, God is saying, this is why that vengeance is coming. Now watch verse number three. And now God just, God describes a little bit about the vengeance that's coming. 
He said, what will you do in the day of this nation and in the desolation which shall come from afar? To whom will you flee for help and where will you leave your glory? Now skip down to verse number six. He said, I will send him against an hypocritical nation. God is saying, now you're the one talking about. You're the hypocritical nation and I'm going to pour my vengeance on you. Now watch now. He said, the people of my wrath will I give him a charge to take the spoil, to take the prey and to tread them down like the mire in the street. God said, in essence, now you've lived wickedly, you've lived ungodly, I'm promising you vengeance is coming. Now, now what's this? And now go, let's go down to verse number 12. Now remember the vengeance and then vindication. So the very one that God is going to be using to bring vengeance on Israel, God is promising to vindicate his people. Now watch verse number 12. Wherefore it shall come to pass that when the Lord had performed his whole work upon Mount Zion and on Jerusalem, I will punish the fruit of the stout heart of the king of Assyria and the glory of his high looks. Verse 724. Therefore thus said the Lord God of hosts, O my people that dwellest in Zion, be not afraid of the Syrian. He shall, he shall smite thee with a rod and shall lift up his staff against thee after the manner of Egypt. And then, and we can move on, move on some more, but what God is saying I'm promising vengeance on you. I'm going to pour out judgment on you. But God said the very, the very one that I'm going to be using to pour out judgment on you, I'm going to vindicate you by judging them. Now then, let's go to chapter number 11. In chapter number 11, I've given, I just picked out these two words that will impress me to pick out these. And that is Redeemer and Restoration. So let's think about that a minute. So God's promised a redeemer, a deliverer, promised destruction, promised vengeance, promised vindication. Now, chapter number 11, he's going he's to promise a redeemer and restoration. Now, watch verse number 1. Look at verse number 1. Now, notice, notice where this redeemer is coming from. The Bible says, and there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. Now, now, now you Bible readers, you know the branch is, right? The branch is none other than Jesus. So he's promising here that this deliverer, this redeemer will be coming. Look at verse number two. And the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now then, now he, he's given he's given clear understanding here that God is promising the Redeemer. Now watch the restoration that's going to be happening in chapter number eleven. Again, look in verse number eleven, uh, verse number one rather. He says, "There shall come for the rod out of the stem of Jesse, and a branch shall go out of the roots." Verse four. Now skip verse four. But with righteousness shall he judge the poor and reprove with equity the meek of the earth. 
Now, those unrighteous judges, they have been taking advantage of the poor and the widows. So in verse number four, the Lord is saying, I'm going to restore civil restoration. In other words, the courts are now going to be righteous. The courts are going to be just, and they're going to do right by those that come in there. Now, go to verse number six. So now then, he's not just talking about civil restoration, but he's going to be talking about the creature restoration. Look at verse number six. The Bible says, The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf and the young lion, and the fatling together, and the little child shall lead them. Now, boy, that ain't happening now, is it? And the cow and the bear shall feed. The, 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 their young ones shall lie down together. And the lion shall eat straw like an ox. Verse number 8. And the sucking child shall play on the hole of an ass. And then we can move on. So God's promising, I'm not going to restore just civil restoration, but the creature restoration. But look at verse number 10. Now skip down to verse number 10. And he said this, In that day there shall be a root out of Jesse which shall stand for an ensign for the people. Now watch it now. To it shall the Gentiles seek and his rest shall be glorious. So civilization is going to have restoration. But look at verse number 11. And then he said this, And it shall come to pass in that day that the Lord shall set his hand again the second time to recover the remnant of his people. Now that's not the church. That's Israel. That's God's chosen people. He's going to recover. So the country itself of Israel is going to be restored. Now by the way, I know y'all know this, so probably no need saying it. But though Israel is a nation now, we know <laughs> that in just a short time, that Israel is going to be overrun by the Gentiles for 42 months. She's not going to continue the way she is. I mean, it's just a matter of time. The neighbor that coming in Israel is going to be overrun. So they're going to be regathered again, neighbor at the millennial, and be brought in, and God's going to cover his nation. So why did I give you all that? What, what, what is chapter 12 about? See, uh, when you read that, when you follow with me with that, uh, beginning, look at verse number one. He said, in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I'll praise thee. Well, where, where's these praises coming from? Well, see, he's talked about vengeance. He's talking about judgment and destruction. Then chapter number 11, he's talking about restoration. And so when Isaiah gets a message on restoration, only six verses, but he's breaking out into a song. Isaiah 12, he has a song of praise to God for what God has just announced he's going to do in chapter number 11. So what he's doing here, he's writing a song. He even praises. Now, did y'all listen to some of that? Well, thank you. Thank you. Amen. Amen. I know I went around the barn to get there. But now, here's what I want to do. I'm going to do my best. I won't be long, I don't think. But here's what I want to do. 
Now you can see how that chapter number 12 is fitted for the nation of Israel. But now tonight, I want to take this and I want to apply this to the New Testament believer. I'm not going to apply this to Israel, but I'm going to apply it to the New Testament believer. So my title is uh, Drawing Water Out of the Wells of Salvation. Well, whatever that means anyway. So now then, go back to verse number one. I want you to see a couple of things with me. All right, so what is involved here in drawing water out of the wells of salvation? Is there anything involved in that? All right, look back at verse number one, and I want to give you a word. The word is readying. In other words, you know, you don't, look, I know, I know we got running water, but some of us remember the days we had wells, don't we? Amen. I mean, and you know what? You didn't go out to the well to get water and say, Abracadabracazam, let water be in my hand. Oh no, it didn't happen like that. There was some work you had to, and that was involved in bringing that water up. So, so you, if you was expecting to get a cool drink of water out of that well, you had to do some readying or you had to do some performance here to get that water out of the well to drink. All right, now, now, I want you to see something. Here's, here's just how the Lord impressed Mark with it. So, number one, now if I'm going to draw water out of the well of salvation, it's going to involve some readying on my part. So, what is a readying involving? All right, look back, verse number one again. And, and I hope you'll stay with me so you can get as much as I can give you anyway. But look, verse number one. And in that day, thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee. Though thou wast angry with me, thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Now, here's the first thing the Lord impressed Mark with. So if I'm going to draw water out of the wells of salvation and, and with joy, then I'm going to have to be ready, and this involves a past. All right, now, now you think about that a moment. All right, so what do you see here in verse number one about the past? Look what it said. He said, thou wast angry with me. See that? All right, so we're not talking about Israel now. We're talking about us that are saved. All right, so if I have not understood my past, there will never be any joy drawing water at the wells of salvation. So what is my past? My past was there was a day when God was very angry with me. So there was, there was sin in my life. I lived a sinner. I acted a sinner. I talked a sinner. I'd done awful ungodly things. You think God said, well, that's just the way they act. Oh, no. See, that Bible said this. It said God is angry with the wicked every day. See, God don't just look at the wicked and all that sin and say, well, I understand you're just a man. Oh, no. God doesn't do that. God is very angry with sin. Do y'all remember when God was angry with you as a sinner? Do y'all remember as a sinner that went matter of fact? You say, I didn't know God's angry. Do you, do you not remember conviction? Do you not remember when God convicted you of your sin? 
What was that conviction? That was a sense of God's anger on you for being a sinner. So do I have a past? Yes, sir. I remember exactly what God, how, how it was. I was an ungodly sinner. And so, so the Bible says, for if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God. Was I always the same person? No. There was a day when I was the enemy of God. I did not want God to have his way in my life. I cursed God's name. I blasphemed God's name. And I did not want God that part of my life. So was God angry? Yes, God was angry. Did that make me happy? I don't think so. But look at the next phrase. Look at the next phrase in verse number one. Are y'all looking at now? So number one, he said, Thou wast, that's past tense, angry with me. But verse number one one said again, And thine anger is turned away. Are y'all with me now? So, So now I'm talking about getting ready to draw water. So number one, I got a past, and my past, God is angry with my wicked and godless sins. But now he says, he says, thine anger's turned away. Do y'all remember when his anger was turned away? Do y'all remember that night or day, whatever it was, you got born again? You remember that moment when God birthed you in the family of God? I don't know how you felt. <coughs> Pardon me, little asthma deal. So anyway, I remember the night God saved me. I was in an old-fashioned tent meeting, and I, I remember, I mean, well, it's just bad news. That's all there was to it. But anyway, God birthed me that night in the family of God. And I could not explain this, but I felt when I got up off my knees and God had done his work, there was a peace in my heart. There was a quietness down inside me. Why? Because God's anger had turned away. Are y'all hearing me? Do y'all not remember when God's anger was turned away from your own soul and he delivered you? Y'all hearing that? So look what he said. He said, now we're talking about getting ready to draw now. And he said, number one, my past God was angry with me. But number two, he said my anger's turned away. But how was it turned away? Are y'all hearing me now? How was this anger turned away? See, God is never one to sweep sin under the rug. Y'all know that. God never, never treats sin lightly. But then, but now, how did my, how did God's anger turn away? How was God's anger removed from me? Do y'all remember these words? My God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me for that? When Jesus Christ is on the cross of Calvary, the anger that God had toward you and I, the sinner, God took that anger and poured that anger on his darling son. Y'all hear me? See, that anger has got to be satisfied. And God satisfied that by allowing Jesus to take our place on the cross of Calvary. So how long has it been now since you thought about it? The moment when God saved you and he forgave you and delivered you from his anger. Are y'all hearing me? Amen. Amen. All right, so I'm talking about getting ready to draw now. All right, so now, now look, at, look at your Bible again. Look at verse number one. I mean, this is just how it is. So God's anger is against me. His anger is turned away. What's, what's the last few words there in verse number one? What did it say? 
Thou comfortest me. So get your member getting saved. You remember that condemnation just seemed to disappear. You remember how God seemed to start comforting you and start blessing your life when you first got saved? Well, that's what he's saying here. He said, I'm getting you ready to draw water. I've dealt with your past. I've removed anger. Now I've comforted you. You don't have to worry about me being angry with you anymore. I'm comforting you. And you know why he does that? He does that by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right, so now look back at verse number two now. Now, let's go to verse number two. Now, uh, I, I'm, I'm just doing the best I can this, but this is how the Lord gave it to me. And I hope it'll be a help. Now, watch now. How am I going to get there? I mean, if I'm going to draw water out of the wells of salvation, how am I going to get there? Well, number one, I've got to get ready. I've got to get ready by being saved and born again. Now then, in verse number two, this is how I saw this. It's going to involve a relationship. Now, what's a relationship? Now, see if you can see what I see here. Or verse number two, behold, God is my salvation. All right? So in order for God to be my salvation, do I not have to have him as my father? Do I not have to have a relationship with him? Whenever, when, uh, if I'm going to be saved, I've got to have a relationship. So now what did the Bible say? He said, but as many as received them, to them give you power to be what? To become the sons of God. So the moment I got born again and saved by God's grace, I became a child of the living God. I now then have a relationship with my father. Amen. Now watch verse number two. Now I'm talking about now that drawing water out of that well is going to involve a relationship with the father, but also going to involve a relationship with faith. Now look at verse number two again. Look what it said. He said, Behold, God is my salvation. I will what? Trust. Trust. All right, so I will trust. Now, is that faith? Are y'all hear me now? So how many of y'all ever come to the house of God and uh, you wanted something from God, you needed something from God, but there was nothing in your heart to believe that God was going to give it to you? Amen. And you went away just like you came. Why? Because faith is so important. Now look here. Whenever I come to God in prayer, does God not expect me to believe Him? Does God not expect me to trust Him and believe Him if I'm going to receive anything from Him? All right, so here's what I'm saying. I've got, if I'm going to draw water at the wells of God's salvation, then the Bible says, then I've got, I'm going to have to be involved in trusting him. I'm going to have to believe him, have confidence and be sure. Are y'all listening now? I'm telling you, buddy. I don't know, I don't know where anybody is but me, and sometimes I wonder about me, amen. <laughs> but I'm going to tell you what I'm finding out. I am I'm in some of the most serious spiritual battles these days that I have ever been in my life. I'm, tell, I'm, not, I'm not down now. I'm not discouraged. But I'm telling you, buddy, the powers of hell are walking, brother, in, in mighty power in these days we're living in. 
Amen. And sometimes I come to God and there'll be, there'll be voices screaming to me, God's not going to do anything. God's not going to help you. But somewhere down in my heart, I say, I make my choice to believe what God said in that word. I trust what God said in that book. And almost invariably, buddy, when I express faith in the Son of God, God allows something to start happening in my heart and life. Amen. He said, what I'm trying to show you is this. If you want to really draw water, then you got to have some faith here. But notice there's also, he wants me to be unafraid, and he wants me, neighbor, to have strength in a song. Now, I'm not, so I'm, I'm not going to give you more now. But now let's go to verse number three now. Are you all with me? Amen. Now try to, try to get a little something out of this. <laughs> now watch verse number three. Therefore, with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, you got to think, think about this now. All right, now, now, y'all listen carefully. Therefore, with joy shall what? Shall? Come on now. Therefore, with joy shall what? Ye draw. I'm not going to pick on you. <laughs> All right, so, how many's ever drawn a bucket of water out of a well? I don't see any. Well, we got a few of those. All right, so did that take some effort? Yes. Amen. I remember when I was a kid, you know, I, I tried to, I mean, I was just a little squirt, uh, about seven or eight, nine years old, can't remember. And I'm trying to draw water. And I'm telling you, that big old, uh, I don't know, must have been a three-gallon bucket in that thing. And here I am, my kid, that, that just trying to draw that thing. It took some effort. I don't think I ever did get it up. But, but my, wait a minute now. Here's what I want you to get. If you look at, you look at verse number three, read it for what it says. Is it going to require any responsibility from you to get it? Look at it. It said, therefore with joy shall what? You draw. All right, is that effort? Is that responsibility? Now, here's what I'm finding. I'm finding Baptists that just want it to happen. You know, I'm watching Baptist churches. I go, they just want the glory to jump all over them. Look, I've come, I've sinned, and just let the glory of God just jump all over me today with no effort. All right, look now then. He said, all right, so if I'm going to draw water out of the wells of salvation, it's going to require a responsibility from me. Do you see that? All right, so let, let's try to let's try to digress. Now, now I mean, just dig in a little bit. All right, so number one, what's the product we're after? In verse number three, what's the product we're after? Water. All right, so he said, with joy shall you draw water. So the product that we're trying to work at is the water. All right, so what is water? In the well, what is for water in the Bible? All right, let me give you a clue here. All right, here's what Jesus said. He said, in the last day that great the feast, Jesus stood and cried soldier. He said, he that, he, whosoever is thirsty, let him come and drink. And he said, out of his belly shall flow. 
rivers of living water. And the next verse said, there spake he of the Spirit. Is that right? right? So water in the Word of God can represent the Spirit of God. Has anybody ever had the Holy Ghost of God to move on you? Have you ever had God to do a stir up your heart and to move on your soul? Would you like that to happen again? Well, he said, then let's get a little effort involved here. He said, he said, now that, that, that water is, is the Holy Spirit. But wait a minute. You remember Ephesians where he talked about that he's going to cleanse the church by the washing of the water of what? By the word of God. So we know this much. Water represents the Holy Spirit, but also represents the word of God. So how much much effort now am I willing to put in to my sensitiveness to the Holy Spirit? How much effort am I willing to put in to the Word of God? Have you never been blessed just by reading the Bible? Huh? I mean, have you never had God just to pour His presence on you while you got His Bible and you're reading it? Well, that I mean, when He does that, that's drawing water out of the well of His Word. Amen. All right, so now, now look on this just a little, little bit farther. All right, so it's going to take, it's going to take, neighbor, us understanding here about the product, about water. But now watch this now. Therefore with joy. Y'all hear that? So I'm talking about, I'm talking about responsibility. All right, so what does the word joy mean? Now, wait a minute. Now, read that carefully. Therefore, with joy shall you draw. Now, you're not, the joy is not coming after you've drawn. The joy is there before you draw. <laughs> Did y'all hear that? See, he's like, have you, have, you ever, have you ever felt God wanted you to go to prayer? Have you ever felt in your heart that God wants you to maybe get up in the middle of the night and go pray? Have you ever felt like you're in service of God wants you to just get up and go, go pray at the altar? And, and, and how God blessed you abundantly for your effort? Are you over now? All right, so God gave you joy. All right, now wait a minute. And so, and so here's what I'm driving at. Uh, so, uh, sister, I'm sorry, Miss, Miss Smith, I don't know your first name, but I watched Miss Smith a while ago while she was singing. And I, I mean, I was just watching her as she sang up here. And uh, is it okay to say this, Nathan? All right, okay. So I'm watching her, and she just was smiling. And, and I, so I don't know, she probably, and probably the rest of y'all do too. I just happened to, I just happened, wasn't zeroed in on your face. But she was just, I mean, every phrase she sang, I could see a new smile pop out. It, and you know what that, see, that's joy. See, that's joy of a neighbor singing the song. Have you, have you ever been excited about just reading the Bible? Hey, you got up one morning, you're just going to read the Bible whenever you read it. And, and you said, oh boy, pray, God's time to read my Bible. It's not, oh no, I've got to do this again. That's not, you're not going to get anything like that. You're not going to get anything out of God's word when it's, oh, I've got to do this one again now. But when there's something in your heart, see, therefore with joy shall you draw water out of the wells of salvation. 
Now watch this now. Watch this now. So he said, there is, this, there is this passion above joy. Now then, are you, I want you to see this now. I want you to see this. All right. Now it said, therefore with joy shall you draw water. All right. Now I want, I want to tell you something. Every one of us that knows anything about a well, in all likelihood, we had a, we had a old cylinder on there with a rope tied to the bucket, and we wound it up. Is that true? Is that true? But let me say this to you. See, that wasn't the way it was in the days of the Bible. They didn't have a crank. Don't you listen to me? The best I can find out, they never had cranks. I'll tell you something else that I'm thinking this is true. In the days of the Bible, they never they they never had buckets attached to the well. Now let me let me prove this to you. At least my thinking. So do y'all remember the story of Eliezer going to get a broad variety? All right. You remember he's at the well. You remember he said, uh, Lord, he said, the woman you won't choose, if, if you want her to be one, I'm going to say, give me a drink of water, and she'll draw water for the camels. You remember that? Read it carefully. There is not a single hint in that story that Eliezer had a bucket to draw with. Now, let me give you another one. Jesus in John 4, the Bible said he must needs go through Samaria. Remember that? You remember that? He is sitting on the side of a well, right? And, uh, and so this woman of Samaria, he says, give me a drink. She said, how is it that you, a Jew, are asking me a drink? And uh, he said, well, I could give you water that you'll never thirst again. And she said, she said, this well is deep and you don't have anything to draw with. Y'all remember that? So here's my point. When you came to the wells in those days, if you wanted some water from it, you had to bring your own container. (laughs) You don't hear that. If you wanted water, you had to bring your own container. Some of us may come and leave our container home. Some of us may come to the house of God and leave our container on the job or somewhere, you know. But but anyway, but but God says, if you want some, if you want to draw water out of the wells of salvation, bring your own bucket here. Is that okay with y'all? Bring your bucket. In other words, you're gonna have you're gonna have to make some preparation here, and uh, you're gonna be willing to put have to put a little effort in this thing yourself. Now, now, so here's what it's gonna require. It's the way I see it. It's oh, come here, come here, come here, come here. All right, so yeah, let's imagine we're back at the Jacob's well, and you and I need to drink water, and we we have brought our bucket. We brought a bucket. We're going to get a. We're going to get a drink now out of Jacob's well, and we have not forgotten our bucket. Now, if I get something out of that well, I've got to believe in here. There's something down there for me to get. <laughs> when you came to the house of God, did you believe there was something here that you could get and take home? 
Amen. So he said, and it's going to require faith. It's going to require some effort. I'm going to have to drop that bucket. I'm going to have to pull it up. It's going to require some effort. And by the way, you know what I've noticed? When I start putting forth effort to get near to God, for God to speak to me, it doesn't always happen immediately. Right. Did I ever notice that? Amen. Have you ever noticed, if you ever drew water, have you ever noticed when you drop the bucket in the, in the well and, uh, and you, you feel it go down, you feel it get full, well, you're not going to drink immediately. Right. It's going to take a little effort to draw it back up. Y'all hear that? So, so uh, whenever the first, whenever the first note on the piano is, is hit, that doesn't mean that God is just going to fall immediately and let the blessing of God flow. No, we may have to wade through some other things in order to get to where God wants us, so we can get some water from His well. Now, then, look, look back if you would, and let me let me just give you a couple more things, and I'm done. Out of the way. All right. So, I, I'm seeing all this. Now, look in, look in verse number three. Now, this is what got me to think about this. So, it's, it's going to, it's, um, uh, uh, if, I'm gonna, if I'm going to draw water out of the wells of salvation, I've got to be at the well, right? Right. All right, so, so what are the wells? I mean, I'm just going to name these two and I'm done. So, what are the wells? I mean, this, this interests me. Then my goodness, you can interest me. I mean, I, I'm saved. I thought, I thought, though I thought the well of the Holy Spirit was the only well there was. Yeah. But now God says I got wells, W-E-L-L-S. So what are they? Did anybody get happy over being saved? Amen. Is anybody continually being happy over being saved? Amen. Well, that's one of your wells. Amen. That's what you will. And don't forget it. Y'all hear The Apostle Paul, he kept giving his testimony, didn't he? To the day he died. I mean, don't forget to, don't forget to draw water out of your own salvation experience. Amen. Now, 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 now watch this. I'll give you this now. So number two, it's the scripture well. Listen, I don't know about you, but I'm telling you, and I, I know y'all probably read more than I do, but I try to read through this Bible at least twice every year. I mean, I try, I try to read it through at least twice. And I'm telling you, I cannot tell you the times that I've been, I've been sitting there reading it, and God just jumped out of those pages and started showing me things right out of that book. You hear? Does that, does that give you any joy? That blesses my soul beyond measure for God to give me some water right out of this scripture well. Amen. And so what about not just the scripture? Oh, but what about the Holy Spirit? Well, oh, are y'all hearing me? Yes. Uh, my wife don't even know this. I told, I've been telling her all day. I said, I said, Carolyn, I said, I woke up in the middle of the night. And I said, I knew demons were in the room. Now, I'm, I'm not trying to be spooky, but I knew demons were in the room. And you know, here's why I know that. Here's why I know it. I'm wide awake at 2 o'clock in the morning, and I can't sleep. And, uh, and my, my, my mode is, if I wake up and I can't sleep, I start praying immediately. 
I'll start talking to God. But this morning when I woke up, it was like talking to a wall. I mean, it was, there were such, such forces in that room. I mean, you could not even talk to God. I got up this morning and I, I prayed for probably an hour and a half. And I mean, it was like that the whole time I prayed. I went on during the day. And I did the things I got to do. And we got ready to come down. But in my heart, I knew, I knew God was going to help us. And we're on, we're on the way down here. So Carolyn says, would you like me to drive? I said, I believe we would. So I, I let her drive. And we didn't run ashore. <laughs> Y'all get that some of these days when you read Acts. Amen. <laughs> but anyway, I let her drive. And, and so I said, uh, Somewhere or another, I said, I'm going to read our scripture that we're going to be reading tonight in our devotion. And so I just, I just started reading while she was driving, and she is doing her best to concentrate. But he might have started reading that. And then when I got done, I said, I'm going to pray, but you be sure to keep your eyes open while you're driving. Amen. So we're going down the road, and I'm praying. And she don't even have any idea some of the things I'm praying about, though, though she hears the words, but she doesn't understand. And uh, it was, some of it was dealing with these powers of Satan that attacked me all the day long. And while I am praying in that little car, God, God Carolyn didn't see it, Nobody else saw it but God. But God loosed me from that attack while I was praying. Did that give me joy? Yeah. I bowed down a while ago when y'all were praying. I was praying back there. And I was weeping and crying because God had touched my heart to pray for you folks here. Amen. Look, see, when the Holy Ghost of God moves on you, it ought to, you ought to draw abundant joy out of the Holy Spirit's moving on you. And, uh, and, and, and this building where you gather, hear me, this church where you gather ought to be a well for you. I mean, you ought, to, you ought to come to this house with anticipation. You know, I'm coming looking for God and see if God will help me in some way so I can leave this building and have the joy of God and the glory of God bubbling up in my heart. Amen. He said, with joy shall you draw water of the wells of salvation. Amen. Amen. If you brought your bucket. Did you bring your bucket? Amen. Praise God. Oh, uh, you know, I don't know. I don't, I mean, Eliezer didn't reveal he had a bucket. But I'm going to tell you what I want to do, Mark. I want to keep my bucket with me all the time. I mean, I want to be available for God to give me a drink out of his wells of salvation any time during the day. Amen. Yes. Bless the Lord. Therefore with joy. I see so many people sad, don't you? Yes. I mean, they're so sad. God only intended it that way. God only intended for us to be morbid people. I guess I'm more, too morbid sometimes, but 
God intends for us to have joy, but it's going to take some effort on my part to make myself ready to draw water out of the wells of his salvation. Lord, let your word sink down deep in our hearts, Lord. Oh, God, please help us that we can be able, Lord, to really enjoy you more than we ever have before. Bless these dear people. We'll honor you for what you do in Christ's name. Amen. Brother David.